This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmideen, Allahumma laka alhamdu wa ilayka al-mushtaka, wa bika thiqatu wa alayka tuklan wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-aliyu al-azim, Rabbi shrah li sadri, wa yassir li amri, وحل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم لا سهر إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأن تجعل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن اهتدى بهديه واستنى بسنته ودعا بدعوته إلى يوم الدين إن شاء الله تعالى we are continuing our regular تفسير of سورة البقرة Last time, we stopped at the ayats that were teaching us what are some of the things that are haram for us to consume. And you mentioned that um, when you learn about who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our creator. Everything that exists, exists because of Allah. He is the one in control of the universe. He is the one in control of all that we see. He is the mudabbir, the one that is in control of all of our affairs. He is also the one worthy of our devotion, worship, and gratitude. And we also learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that decides right and wrong, halal and haram. And that we as humanity, we are not in charge of what is right and wrong. We do not decide it. It is told to us by our Creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you see, uh, so when Allah forbids us from doing something, that is wrong, morally and objectively. And when Allah commands us to do something, that is right, morally and objectively. And this is the moral compass of the believer. Right and wrong is decided by Allah and His Messenger. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, to stay away from certain things, such as staying away from the four things that were mentioned in ayah 173, where Allah said, I have made the maytah, which is dead meat, haram for you, and blood, and the meat of the, or pork, and that which has been slaughtered for other than Allah. They are haram and we should not go near them. Often, a lot of ulama and a lot of mashayikh, a lot of dua, they will cite very good reasons why we shouldn't eat these things. And I'm sure a lot of you have heard that it is not a good idea to consume pork from a medical perspective. How it can cause many issues, right? But we sometimes over-rely on those explanations. We say, okay, why is pork haram? The, the, the swine or the pig, it eats many filthy things. Uh, it, it, it has uh, these um, problems that if you consume it, it can cause this many health issues and you have a huge list. And no doubt these are true. Would it make it any less haram if those didn't exist? It would still be haram. Why? Because Allah said so. So the first answer for you should be, if Allah made it haram, it's bad. I'm not going to touch it. And I don't care if there are a thousand explanations for it or zero explanations for it. 
And this is the aqidah of the, of the believer. Um, that being said, of course, many uh, ill effects of these things that are mentioned uh, the, uh, are for the things that have been made haram. There is no better example than, for example, alcohol. Alcohol is haram. And we know uh, how many problems it causes, how many people die because of alcohol consumption, how many car accidents happen because people are drunk, uh, driving. These are many mashaykhs that come across. But when we say, why do Muslims not drink? You shouldn't say we don't drink akhi because, you know, all these accidents. We don't drink because I, I like my liver, right? I don't want to get these illnesses or that illnesses or I don't want to be intoxicated and do things that I will regret. These are not the answers of the Muslim. Yes, these things are true. But we do not consume alcohol because the one who created us told us not to. We are servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the aqidah of the Muslim. We don't do it because Allah said so. When Adam was told to stay away from the fruit, beginning of the qisah of Adam alayhi salam, the conversation wasn't about stay away from it because it is unhealthy, stay away from it because of this or that. It was an amr. And when he fell into the mistake, he rushed to tawbah. This is what you should always remember. طيب. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse 174 says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَكْتُمُونَ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ وَيَشْتَرُونَ بِهِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا أُولَئِكَ مَا يَأْكُلْنَ فِي بُطُونِهِمْ إِلَّا النَّارِ وَلَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking again and describing again the people whom we already spoken about in previous ayat that would hide the truth, that would conceal the truth. And this is mainly referring at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, the Yahud and the Nasara, the Christians and the Jews, who hid many truths related to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَكْتَبُونَ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ As for those who conceal that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed. مِنَ الْكِتَابِ From the scripture or from the book. وَيَشْتَرُونَ بِهِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا And they... Sell it for a small price. So what are they selling and what are they buying? When Allah is saying and they're selling the truth for a small price, right? What is the truth that they are selling? They are selling, uh, meaning they are getting rid of. What you sell, you get rid of, right? If I sell my phone, my phone is gone. So they are selling uh, uh, the, the truth and they are purchasing falsehood. In other words, they chose, they chose to hide the truth as opposed to reveal it. Because they chose to be in leadership positions rather than the Prophet become the leader. Because what would happen in Medina, when the Prophet came to Medina, and he is of course the messenger of Allah. There are Yehud there. They are in charge. People come to them for guidance. Did you also know that even Quraysh, Quraysh did not have a lot of information. The people of Quraysh in Mecca, they were idol worshippers. They didn't have access to a lot of scripture. Whereas in Medina, the, the Yehuda lived there, they had a Torah, right? They were somewhat learned. They had some um, uh, remnants of the book of Musa alayhi salam. So they had some information. So whenever the Arabs needed information, whenever the Arabs wanted to lo- know something, they would go to the Yehud. So they were people that were not just in leadership from their tribes, but they were also the authority for information, religious information. Now all of a sudden, a messenger comes along. If they accept him as a messenger, 
they will become regular people. They'll have to listen to the messenger, obey the messenger, follow the messenger, and as a result, they will lose their riasa. They will lose their leadership. And this is one of the reasons they had a choice to make. So they were like, okay, I'd rather keep my leadership and deny him as a messenger. I, I will hide the truth because they knew he was a messenger. I will hide it. I will lie to my people. I don't care if it results in me going to the hellfire or my people going to hellfire. What I care about is my dunya. This was their mentality. This was the same mentality Abu Jahal had. Abu Jahal and many of the Quraysh, they knew Rasulullah was a prophet. right? They realized when he spoke the Quran, they immediately understood that this was divine. They immediately understood that. When they heard it moved them in a way, they understood that this is not something that can be conjured up by a human being. And this is why uh, they would listen to him secretly. And one time, Abu Jahal and another one from, the, from Quraysh, when they heard the Prophet recite the Qur'an, he would, they would ask each other, How did you find it? Said, this, must be, this must be the truth. So can we stop this, this uh, what we're doing and just accept it? Abu Jahal said, I can't accept it. He said, I am from the Maghzum tribe. And we always competed with Rasulullah's tribe. We always competed. When they had warriors, we had warriors. When they were this, we were this. If now I accept he's a prophet, where am I going to get a prophet from? So what is stopping him from the truth? His arrogance. But he knew it. He chose to hide it. Another example is Fir'aun. Fir'aun wasn't genuine in his beliefs. When he's claiming, I am the, your Lord the Most High. When he's claiming, do you have an ilah ghayri? Is there a God besides me? When he's claiming these things, do you think he believed those things? He didn't believe that. He knew he was a regular human being. And when Musa alayhi salam came to him with the truth, he chose to go against it. He chose to hide it. And Allah says in the Quran, وَجَحَدُوا biha," And they denied it. وَاسْتَيْقَنَتْهَا أَنفُسُهُمْ But in their hearts they had yaqeen. They had certainty. That didn't help them. So the concept of hiding the truth, Abu Jahl wanted to stay in power, so he chose to hide the truth of Rasulullah The Yahud in Yathrib or in Medina, they wanted to stay in power, so they hid the truth that Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu was a messenger. And uh, Fir'aun again wanted to be the Pharaoh and everything, and he chose to deny Musa salam. And this is a pattern. So here you learn something, Ikhwanifillah. What do you learn? You learn... Among the ways one will fall into falsehood is when it comes to preserving whatever leadership or power they have. You will do a lot of oppression and you will do a lot of lying if you're not careful, which is why, generally speaking, looking to become someone that has authority is not recommended in Islam. You know, when you're in authority, you, the moment you become in charge, you uh, you rule a land, you rule over a people, whatever the case is, and you have this power, it's all about keeping it, no matter what. You will lie for it, you will cheat for it. This is why, لا تسأل عن الأمارة. The Prophet ﷺ said to the Sahaba, do not ask to become, do not campaign to become someone that is in, in leadership or in power. المهم, uh, they hid the truth. وَيَشْتَرُونَ بِهِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا 
and they bought or they sold it off with, for a small price. When Allah is saying they sold it off for a small price, does that mean it would have been okay if they sold for a big price? No, it's not. There is nothing that you can buy the truth of. The, you can, there's nothing you can prefer the haq over, right? The haq, there's nothing more worth than it. And when Allah says thaman and qalilan, it means dunya. They did it for dunya reasons. And to Allah, the dunya is qalil. And to us, the dunya should also be qalil. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, the other thing, that's very important is that uh, here you're learning that not only did they hide the truth, they were earning uh, over their lives. They were earning and they were getting income because of their lies that they're telling, right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Those people, they only fill their bellies with fire. Not only... Are they lying to the people? Lying about the Prophet? Hiding the truth? No, once they're doing this and they're making money from it. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, مَا يَأْكُلُنَ فِي بُطُونِهِمْ إِلَّا النَّارِ They are not consuming except hellfire. If you, you'll find the concept of consuming hellfire many times in the Quran and the Sunnah. And those that eat the wealth of orphans, for example, they are consuming hellfire. Those that, and, and there are many examples that is mentioned in the Quran and in the Sunnah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned their punishment. What was the punishment mentioned for the people that hide the truth in previous ayat? Allah said, أُولَٰئِكَ يَلْعَنُهُمُ اللَّهُ وَيَلْعَنُهُمُ اللَّاعِنُونَ أُولَٰئِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ لَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ وَالنَّاسِ أَجْمَعِينَ Earlier Allah said uh, in the previous ayat, those that hide the truth and don't repent, don't repent, then the curse of Allah and the people will be upon them. And Allah said, اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَالْمَلَائِكَ and the angels وَالنَّاسَ أَجْمِعِينَ And all the people will curse them. Here Allah is saying, that's not the only thing that will happen. Also, Allah said, وَلَا يُكَلِمُهُمُ اللَّهُ Allah will not speak to them. يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ On their judgment. Allah will not speak to them on their judgment. Here you learn a few benefits. One, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will speak to us on their judgment. So, and there are many hadiths that allude to this, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will speak to you, and hold, when, you, when you're having your account, Allah will speak to you. There's no in between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah keep us steadfast, and may Allah forgive our sins. But these people Allah will not speak to. Ibn Kathir mentions, Because Allah is angry with them, because of what they've done. Allah says, Allah will not purify them. وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ And to them belongs a painful torment. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ They are those who اشتروا الضلالة بالهدى They bought misguidance and purchased, they, they purchased misguidance over the haqq. Right? So basically they, they chose misguidance over the, the huda, the guidance, the, the truth. وَالْعَذَابَ And they chose punishment over بِالْمَغْفِرَةِ Forgiveness. So they did that. The moment you hide the truth, the moment you disobey, the moment you, you, you choose falsehood over haq, you chose. Abdalala bil huda. You chose, you preferred misguidance over guidance. Wal adaba bil And you preferred the punishment over the, the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They exchanged guidance for misguidance and they exchanged forgiveness for torment. Then Allah asks a question. Subhanallah. Allah says, فَمَا أَصْبَرَهُمْ عَلَى النَّارِ 
The people that make these type of choices. What can make them patience in the face of hellfire? Like, how much sabr do you have to do this, knowing you will go to hellfire? Some of the ulama say it means How daring are they? Because in other words, right now, if someone would lit a fire and tell you, try and go in there, none of us would. None of us would dare to go and walk into a fire. And if someone would walk into a fire, we say it, right? How much patience does he have to do this? In other words, Allah is saying, are you that patient for the hellfire? That you're going to do all of this knowing it will lead to the hellfire? And this is the question every sinner has to ask himself. Every person, and we are all sinners. May Allah forgive our sins. And we should always remind ourselves. This is why the Quran, if we read the Quran, one of the benefits of it, it will remind you. You will forget about hellfire when you're busy with your dunya. And then you read the Quran and the Quran will remind you. You will forget about the greatness of Jannah. But you read the Quran and the Quran will remind you. This is why it's important. Allah says, What makes them patient in the face of the fire? Like, so that what makes you so daring, so brazen, that you're willing to do all of these crimes, knowing full well that path will only lead to Jahannam. May Allah protect us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ نَزَّلَ الْكِتَابَ بِالْحَقِّ وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ اخْتَلَفُوا فِي الْكِتَابِ لَفِي شِقَاقٍ بَعِيدٍ This is because Allah has sent the scripture with the truth. And those who pursue differences within the scripture, they are in deeply entrenched opposition. Here Allah is referring to the Yahud and the Nasara and their many opinions and their many errors and their many disagreements. And Allah is saying that uh, the reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited certain things for us, uh, all the way referring back all the way to the Qibla change that we've spoken about, all the way to who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, His right to be worshipped, the different types of people. Allah saying that Allah talk, tells us about people that earned Jannah, people that earned hellfire. Allah saying this is, Allah sent the Quran with the truth. And those that deny the truth, this is their end. Those that accepted the truth, this will be their end. And Allah says, And those that disagreed with the haqq, or disagreed within each other. So, uh, mentions this is referring to the, the many differences of opinion that came as a result of moving away from the truth between the Yehud and the Nasara. Allah is saying, uh, they are in a, a deep opposition with, between each other and an opposition to the truth. Speaking of the Yehud and the Nasara, all of these ayats, uh, this series of ayats, they started with the Qibla change. When the Qibla was changed, uh, there was a di'aya. There was a lot of things that were said about the Prophet ﷺ. He changed his mind. First we were praying to, to, uh, to, to Aqsa, now we're praying to Mecca. And this is an evidence that he doesn't know what he's talking about. In fact, all of the previous messengers were from Jerusalem. right? So when Muhammad was facing Jerusalem, maybe he was telling the truth. But now we know he is lying, because why did he go back? to Mecca. And many things, right? The Munafiqeen would say, he is unsure of the truth, we cannot follow him. Many things were said. And this goes back to when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was teaching us a fact, which is uh, that whether Allah tells us to face one way or another way, it doesn't matter. What matters is what Allah is telling us. Wherever you turn, it is the, the direction that Allah wants you to pray in. 
And it is not about the direction of prayer per se, rather it is about the command. And also even before that, when Allah was teaching us the concept of nasakh. So what's interesting is when you read Surah Al-Baqarah, you're taught about the constant abrogation before you are shown the first abrogation. Right? So Allah taught, taught, told us, Whenever we abrogate an ayah, we bring a better one. Meaning what? When Allah changes one rule and brings another rule, this is for our good, this is for our benefit. And Allah can do that. And we, remember, we gave many examples of that. And then Allah teaches us about the first, one of the first times that a, a nasakh has happened, as you read the Qur'an, which is the nasakh of changing from one qibla to another qibla. And the point is, we do what Allah tells us to do, it doesn't matter the details, right? That's the whole point. And those that had difficulty with it, and they were preoccupied with it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking to them in the following ayah. لَيْسَ الْبِرَّ أَن تُوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ قِبْلَ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ وَلَكِنَّ الْبِرَّ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرَةِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ وَالْكِتَابِ وَالنَّبِيِّ إِلَى آخِرِ الْآيَةِ So here, إخواني في الله, uh, you learn, this ayah is a very important ayah. This ayah mentions what righteousness is, what goodness is. This ayah summarizes for you, what it, does it mean to be good? What does it mean to be righteous? Allah starts by saying, لَيْسَ الْبِرَّ أَن تُوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ قِبَلَ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ Righteousness is not only that you turn your faces towards east and west. Righteousness is not only that you turn your faces towards east and west. In other words, the point isn't where you're turning. There's a larger thing at play here. It is your obedience to Allah. And you turning to the qibla or facing the qibla was part of your obedience to Allah. And that's not the only thing Allah wants from you. Rather, righteousness is. Or rather, goodness is. And those who are good are من آمن بالله واليوم الآخر The one who believes in Allah. واليوم الآخر And the last day. والملائكتي and the angels. والكتابي and the book or books. والنبيين and the prophets. So those are things you have to believe in. What was counted there? Who can tell me? The pillars of what? The pillars of? Of Iman. There's only one missing which is? Which is Qadr. And I mentioned it in other ayat as well. So here Allah is telling us, righteousness starts with here, what you believe in. What makes you a good person, number one, is what you believe in. So the idea that you can be good and have false beliefs, this is not an Islamic concept. Your goodness, it starts here. What you believe in. You need to believe in Allah in the rights of Allah, in what Allah told you in scripture. That's where it starts. That is righteousness. Man amana billah, the one who believes in Allah, that means generally four things. When we say we believe in Allah, always remember these four things. When we say believe in Allah, remember, believe He exists. Believe He is the one in control of everything, the all-powerful, the creator of the, all that exists, which is His rububiyah, His lordship. Believe he is the only one worthy of our worship, gratitude, and devotion. And finally, to believe that he has beautiful names and attributes, and you call upon Allah by those beautiful names and attributes that he taught us in the Quran. This should come to mind when you're talking about belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so, we believe in Allah and we believe in the last day. Those two are mentioned quite often together. Believe in Allah and the last day. 
There is a famous hadith where Allah said, "Man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawm al-akhir, falyakul khayrun aw liyasmut." Whoever believes in Allah and the last day, let him speak good or be quiet. So those two are mentioned often together. Belief in Allah and belief in the last day. The last day is referring to the day of judgment. It has many names. Yawmul Ba'ath, the day of resurrection. Yawmul Qiyamah, the day of standing. Yawmul Din, the day of recompense. Yawmul Fasl, and many, many names. It is the last day. May Allah give us the guidance that we need to be among the Ahlul Jannah on that day. You also have to believe in Wal Malaika, the angels. And Allah mentions the angels often in the Quran. You can't be a Muslim if you don't believe in the existence of the angels. That's the bare minimum. That you believe in the existence of creatures called malaika, angels. Of course, there's more detailed aqidah and belief in that that is studied in aqidah books. Uh, what are they made of? What do they do? What are their names? This is all studied in aqidah. Well, kitab, and you believe in the book. And that does not mean just the Quran. You believe in all of the scriptures that were revealed. You believe in all of the scriptures that were revealed, given to the many, many messengers and prophets. You also believe that the Quran is the final scripture that is revealed, and that it supersedes all that came before. And it abrogates all that came before. وَمُهَيْمِنًا عَلَيْهِ Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran. وَالنَّبِيِّينَ You believe in all of the messengers and prophets. وَالنَّبِيِّينَ The prophets. And of course messengers are included in that as well. So you believe in all of them. All of them. Even if you don't know their names, you believe that Allah chose people from amongst mankind whom He spoke to, whom He guided, whom He told to guide others. We don't distinguish between any of them. لا نفرق بين أحد منهم. Right. And then, after your belief comes your actions, what you do. So, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they are also those, the righteous people are also those وَآتَ الْمَالَ عَلَىٰ حُبِّهِ ذَوِي الْقُرْبَىٰ وَالْيَتَامَىٰ وَالْمَسَاكِينَ وَبْنَ السَّبِيلِ So other than having iman, you are required to do something else as well. Now that you have iman, you have belief and you believe in the right things, you're also required by Allah to live on this earth as a human being that is good to others. And that you are good to others. And we mentioned many times that you are doing ihsan to others. So but have the right beliefs and do good unto others. And that means what? That you avoid harming them And you help them in what you can Avoid harming others And help them in what you can And helping people comes in many ways This ayah and this surah generally emphasizes Helping people financially Surah Al-Baqarah It really emphasizes Help others out financially This is one of the greatest ibadat that you can do And you have so many ayats talking about it The righteous folks Are those they are those that give. They give away their wealth. While they cherish it. While they love it. You want that money, yet you give it away. If you want it so much, if you love it so much, why are you giving it away? Because you love something else even more. So when you love, give away something you cherish, it is because you cherish something else even more. And that is the pleasure of Allah, gaining Jannah, all of this. So although they, they really want the money, they still give it. And this is righteousness. And who do they give it to? The wilqurba, the relatives. And here you learn something very important. The people that have the most right of your charity are your relatives. Prophet said in the hadith, Giving charity to a stranger is sadaqah. Giving it to a family member is sila and sadaqah. It is 
so your relatives have more right over you. If there is someone within your relatives that is in need, he is more deserving of your charity than the one who you meet the stranger. And there's more reward in giving it to the closest. As the closer they are to you, the more reward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you. And after the relatives, who is it? Waliyatama, the orphans. So you also give charity, so they also give charity to the orphans. Who are we describing here? We're describing the righteous person. We started with what they believe in and what they do. And what they do started with what? They give their wealth. They give their wealth while they are not in need of it? No, they want it. But, and they love it. But they still give it away anyway. Like Allah says in Surah Ali Imran, You won't get to true birr, true righteousness. I should explain what birr is. Uh, until you give what you love, from what you love. Bir, the word bir, uh, translated as righteousness, is al-birru. Kullu ma yuhibbuhu Allahu wa yartahu min al-aqwali wal-af'ali. All that which Allah loves and is pleased with, from whether that is speech or actions. That is bir. Righteousness is all that Allah is pleased with. And Allah is pleased with the following things. So, who are the first group that they give charity to? The the relatives. Waliyatama, the orphans. Who is an orphan? The person that lost their father. Uh, this is called an yatim in Islamic context is the one that lost their father. It's called a yatim. And they are given special care. Why? Because their main source of income, which was their father, has passed away. And they are yatama as long as they are under the age of bulugh. So once they become adults, they are not yatim anymore. Right? So we help them, we support them, and, and, and as Muslims, as the community, we should support the orphans in the education, and there's a great reward in it. There's a great reward. The one who sponsors and takes care of an orphan, the Prophet ﷺ said, me and him are like this in Jannah. Right? So this is a great ibadah. Sponsor orphans, ikhwani fillah. And give them, and it's an act of righteousness. And then you have, masakin. they also give to the masakin, the needy. The needy, the masakin, uh, there is a difference between the faqir and the maskeen. And those two words are used a lot. The faqir, the poor, and the maskeen, the needy. And what's the difference? That some of the ulama, they say, the faqir is the one and he, he owns nothing. He's literally, he has nothing. And the maskeen is, he has something, but it's not enough. And one of the evidences to suggest this is in Surah Al-Kahf, when Allah was speaking about Khadr and Musa alayhi salam. They go on a ship. And when they go on a ship, who can tell him, what does, what does Khadr do with the ship? He starts what? Breaking it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, This ship was owned by miskins. How are they miskins if they own a ship? They, that means they had something, but it was not enough. And we are told to take care of those that have nothing, but also those that have something, but they need help. And we should, and those are often neglected. Those are often neglected, the ones who look alright, but they actually need our support as well. And we as Muslims, we need to get better at reading people's faces, inquiring about them, because sometimes you have someone that you regularly see in the masjid, you say salam alaykum regularly, and they might be desperate for money. But they are quiet, they are shy, but they, are, they need their help. And it happened to Abu Huraira. There is a famous qissa with Abu Huraira, where after the salah, he stood outside. And he was wishing just for someone to give him some food. And he says, Umar al-Khattab comes out and I give him salam. And I'm wishing he can tell how hungry I am. And he just walks past me. 
And then Abu Bakr comes out and the same thing happens. And then the Prophet wasallam saw him and the Prophet said, come with me. And then the whole, the whole story where he was given, uh, uh, there was a milk, right? Like a jar of milk was with the Prophet wasallam, and but he was really happy he could have something to, 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 to that milk. But then the Prophet tells him, call everyone, all those Ashabu Sufa, all the people, call them. And I'm like, how is this going to be enough? And then everyone drinks, and there he is, hungry, waiting. But then this was one of the, the barakah, the blessings and the mu'jizah of the Prophet ﷺ, the miracle, that milk would not end. And they would keep drinking and drinking and drinking until it was finally his turn and the Prophet told him to drink. And he said, I drank so much, I thought the milk was going to burst from my fingernails. That's how much I drank. So the point I want to make is often the miskin, you don't know the situation, but the khair and the, and the righteousness is when we give to the masakin as well. And we also give it to the travelers. Whenever you hear the Quran ayat, and there are many ayat talking about travelers who we should give to, it is talking about the traveler who's, who cannot continue their journey because they, they are they run out of money. So we help them, we help them to continue on their journey, right? The travelers. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَالسَّائِلِينَ And those that ask you. They might not be your relatives, they might not, they might not be orphans, they might not be maskeen, they might not be travelers, but they might ask you. So whenever someone asks you, you should give them as well. Whenever someone asks you, if you can give them as well. Wasa'ilin, those that ask you. Wafir riqabi, and those that ask you, uh, uh, can be people that are in desperate need, and sometimes they might not be in desperate need, but they just might need some help. And, uh, subhanAllah, I came across, someone said something about someone, I found them, I found that very, uh, ajeebullah. It was someone that made a decision to themselves, Every time they are asked to give money in charity, someone will stand up in the masjid, or collecting for X person, a bucket comes along, someone asks him something, he sees a message uh, uh, on, uh, on the internet saying donate to this, whatever it is, he said, I decided to myself, I will always donate. And sometimes I will donate something very little, but I will never say no. So an opportunity to present for sadaqah, I might give one pound, I might give ten pound, I might, whatever I can, but I make the active decision to never say no. To never say no. And that's ajeeb. Because uh, this person is someone that's really investing in the akhir, mashallah. So, because that one pound that you give, you might be thinking, well, how much is that one pound going to help? But, it will help. What is money but one pound add another, add another, add another, right? Not to mention, it will help you. Because the Prophet said in a hadith, when a servant gives charity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will grow it for you. It will get more and more and more. And a general rule for sadaqah is Allah will multiply your sadaqah always by 700. At the bare minimum. So imagine you always do that. Every Jum'ah, do put something in the bucket. Every time someone says, We're, you know, uh, there is a cause, right? And they're saying, who's going to pledge 250 pound? Maybe you don't have the 250 pound. But maybe you have 10 pound, you have 15 pound, you have 20 pound. Just give that. Give something. If you, even if it's five pound, give something. Wallahi, it's a very good habit to have. It's a very good habit to have. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward whoever has that beautiful habit. And may Allah give us all the tawfiq. Uh, so you give to the one who asks. And those that are in bondage. Who are the firriqab? They are those people. This is initially it meant for the people that were in, in enslavement who were supposed to be freed. And there's, there's different types. 
And some of them were called mukatab. And mukatab was, well, nowadays you don't have that, but when people uh, uh, were in enslavement, the, the, in Islam, there was a contract that the slave could conjure up and deal, agree with the owner that if this much is paid, I am free. And then the, the, uh, the person uh, that owned this person would then be forced to agree, he would agree, and he would have to give him time to earn that money to pay it himself off. And in Islam, the zakat is used to pay it off for on their behalf so that they can become free. And it is among righteousness to give those people money so that they can free themselves. And generally speaking, freeing slaves was something that was heavily encouraged. And there are so many sins that if someone does, the, the expiation is to free a slave. It also means free people that are in prison, ransoming them. So someone could be in prison wrongfully, and there's a ransom, and then you pay that ransom. This would also be some of right. So what righteousness is to use your money to free those that are in slavery, and your righteousness is to free those that are being held against their will, and you ransom them. This is part of righteousness. All of this is basically using your money for righteousness, right? You give to the, uh, the relatives, the orphans, the, the poor or the, the needy, uh, the traveler, those that ask you, those that are in bondage. Now that we spoke about the ibadat related to helping others, وَأَقَامَ الصَّلَاةِ And righteousness are, righteous are those that also establish the prayer. وَآتَ الزَّكَاءِ And they give the obligatory charity. And righteous are those وَالْمُوفُونَ Those that fulfill بِعَهْدِهِمْ Their pledges. They keep their pledges. إِذَا عَهَدُوا When they make them. So among righteousness is that you keep your word. You keep to your word. Now what does it mean? Which ahad is being referenced here? Number one, your word to Allah. Number one, your pledge to Allah, which is to single him out in worship, to obey Allah and his messenger, to uh, live your life, not according to your whims and desires, but according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the first pledge that you made. And then also you keep your pledge and your promise to the people. You tell someone you're going to be there, you're going to be there. You tell someone you're going to help them, you're going to help them. You keep your promises. That is righteousness. And righteous are those that have patience and are steadfast, especially in three situations. In misfortune, and this is referring to faqr, in poverty. So you have patience when you are struggling. This is when you have patience. And in adversity. And this is referring to, uh, it's like some of the ulama said, is referring to illness. So when are the most difficult times people have? When you are low on funds, when you are really struggling financially, have sabr. Having sabr is part of righteousness. When you're really sick, have sabr, have patience. It's really difficult. And also, وَحِينَ الْبَأْسِ And in times of danger, especially, this is referring to when people run for jihad, and it was very scary and very dangerous, have sabr as well and plant your feet. So you should have patience in, in difficult times. Having patience in difficult times, the Sahaba had patience at Badr, patience at Uhud. This is also part of righteousness. Everything we mentioned so far, from the top, belief in Allah, the hereafter, 
the angels, the books, the prophets, giving you wealth although you cherish it, to your relatives, to the orphans, to the needy, to the traveler, to those who ask, to those in bondage, to pray and establish the salah, to give the obligatory zakat, to keep your pledge that you made to Allah and to everyone else, to have patience in difficult times, in poverty, in danger, and in illness. Allah said. Those people, they are the one that were truthful. Truthful in what? In their claim that they believe. Truthful. They are the ones who are truthful in their faith. And they are those who are the people of taqwa. In this ayah you learn what it means to be a righteous believer. You also learn the point is not about the individual act of ibadah that you're doing. It wasn't about should the qibla has been changed and what should we do. At the end of the day, it's all about how much are you willing to live your life according to what Allah asks you to do. How obedient are you willing to be? And it is this that is righteousness. The following ayat that we're going to study next week, inshallah ta'ala, we'll be talking about a lot of the... Uh, continuing on actually about uh, understanding that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... Uh, is obedience is not only in acts of worship, but also when it comes to legislation, when it comes to right and wrong, when it comes to laws and inheritance, laws related to uh, people when they commit crimes. All of this is part of your belief in Allah and part of your righteousness. Um, one more fact in this ayah is that you learn what is known as there are many ways to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are many ways to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if charity is particularly difficult to you, you can pray. If praying, everyone has something different about them. This is why Imam Malik, a man came to him and said to him, Malik, you're only teaching. All you do is teaching. When will you be telling people to worship? When will you be doing your qiyam and this and that? And Malik said to him, what I do is just as much of an act of worship as what you do and what I do is not, not less meaning teaching the sunnah and teaching the hadith, than what you're doing, being engaged in personal ibadah, nor is it vice versa. And this shows you that people have different strength. And you might not be the person that fasts every Thursday and, and, and Monday, but maybe charity is really easy for you, so focus on that. Maybe you're not the kind of person that finds it easy to give uh, charity, but maybe reciting the Quran is easy for you, so do that. Maybe for you, qiyam is easy, but in, uh, in the end of the day, ikhwan Focus on your ibadah, whatever it is, and whatever Allah made easy for you. But at the same time, remember that it all comes down to obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything that we mentioned today, whether it was the things that were prohibited from us that we need to avoid, or the acts of worship that we need to do, it all boils down to we hear and we obey. And in this surah, you learn of two groups. Some who said we hear and we disobey which was the Yehud who said that to, to, to Musa alayhi salam, and the believers who said, Sami'na wa ata'na, we hear and we obey. May Allah make us among those. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.